Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Moses had given them the law, but Jesus Christ came to give them something else. Jesus Christ came to give them a new and living way into the very presence of God. Now, under the Old, uh, the Old Testament laws, the people that were of, of the law were only allowed to go so far into the temple. That was what was called the outer court, the inner court, and then the most holy place. They were never allowed into the most holy place. Only the high priest was allowed to go into that holy place. But now, because of what Jesus has done, all of us are given divine access to the very throne room of God. Isn't that amazing? So we have something that's to be treasured, something that's to be grasped, something that is to be held on to. Now, Paul had written in the first book of Corinthians in chapter 10, he had written about the people of Israel and how that they had done all of these things and and and. Paul said that these things were written for our admonition. Or in other words, they were written for our example of things that we are not to do because they were faithless, because they were, they were disobedient to God. They didn't listen to what God had called them to. When we enter into this new and living way with Christ, we enter into this relationship with him, we enter, through, we enter in through the way of holiness. Everybody say Holiness. Okay, we don't hear much about that word these days. Because when we do, we, get, we dream up these connotations of, of holiness, of outward adornment. You know, it's like I was listening to Tandra, uh, Chandra Pierce, and she was talking about, you know, that, that, that she was doing this comedy thing. She's a Christian comedian. And she said that she happened to look over, and she, saw, she realized how much this had changed when she saw her mother sitting in blue jeans with earrings on. Because back in the day, that would never happen. My mother never wore jeans. She would go work in the fields in a dress. Can you imagine? I mean, she wouldn't go swimming because she wouldn't put on a bathing suit or any of those things. She couldn't swim either. Probably a good reason. Hard to swim in a dress. But anyway, they equated these things to holiness. It has nothing to do with holiness. Well, I told you last week what holiness is. Anybody remember? One. Everybody hold up one finger. Holiness is one. Being one with who you are. Being one with God. Not being anything else. Not vacillating between opinions, but knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and living that way. Now, the writer of Hebrews had, had written, and I'm going to start in, I'm going I'm to read a lot to you, Okay. This is so important that we get this. And it doesn't just apply to the Hebrews. It applies to all of us. Because it's, it's telling a story. It's giving us a narrative of Moses and what he experienced and what we are to, to experience as the people of God. So in the New Living Translation, I'm going to read part of it in the New Living Translation. Then part of it I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. So hang on to your seats, okay? In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house 
And we are God's house. Say that with me. We are God's house. What is the church? It's not the place where we gather. The church is the people that gather at the place. Okay? We are God's house. If, everybody say if. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit says, for today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. That's, they refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. Thank God his anger is only for a moment, but his mercy is for a lifetime. Amen? So he said, in my, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my rest. And verse 12 says, be careful then. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today. Everybody say today. 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 I want you to get that word in your head. Today, all right? Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 and 1, Take no thought on the morrow, for no man knows what another day may bring forth. We don't know what tomorrow holds. So don't worry too much about tomorrow, but you better be concerned about right now. You better be concerned about today. That's what he's saying right here. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Verse 15. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. I think that bears repeating. Today, everybody say today. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't the people, wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Now, the writer of Hebrews uses this chapter as an example of the children of Israel who Moses led out in Egypt, as an example of those who, because of their unbelief, they did not obtain the promises that God had made for them. Instead, they died in the wilderness. And ironically, it's kind of ironic that the wilderness that they wandered in was called the wilderness of in the Hebrew, it's zin, or the wilderness of sin, as the Greek translation. In the wilderness of sin, I mean, it's not that that was what the wilderness was called. It was just a name that was kind of a, a given to this place that was, that was between um, a, a certain other place that they had wandered in for 40 years. But they wandered in this place of wilderness, of, 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 of unbelief, and they never entered into the place that God had prepared for them. So now, I'm going to get into chapter 4, and this is from the Passion Translation. 
Now, God has offered us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting and confident faith so that we must be extremely careful to ensure that we embrace the fullness of his promise and not fail to experience it. How many want all the promises of God? Last Sunday, Jeremy sang that song, All of His Promises Are Yes and Amen. I will rest in His promises, His confidence, His faithfulness is my confidence. So we have heard the good news of deliverances just as they did, yet they joined their faith with the Word. Instead, what they heard, they didn't join their faith with the Word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply. Wow. For they doubted. That sounds like it could have been written today and other generations through my life that I've experienced. I've watched people come and I've watched people go. Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 13 about three different kinds of seed. He said, a farmer went out to sow, and as he sowed, he sowed seed, and he cast some, and it fell by the wayside. Another seed fell upon the path, stony path. Another fell among the, 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 the weeds, and some of it fell on good soil. And the birds came and they ate up the, the seed that was thrown on the, on the wayside or thrown into the path. And then some, that, was, that was thrown on the path was, was trodden underfoot. And that that was thrown on stony soil, you know what happened? It sprang up quickly because of the joy. With joy, it sprang up quickly. But because it had no root, it withered away quickly. Just as quickly as it came up, it was gone. And then there was that that grew up. It started looking good. But it was thrown among, it was sown among thorns and thistles, and they began to choke out the fruit that was in that, those, those plants. And then eventually they were choked out altogether. But then there was some that was thrown in good soil. So Jesus was paying attention more not to the seed, but to the soil. So his disciples asked him later, says, why did you tell that story? What was that story all about? He said, don't you understand? He said, I tell parables to people that don't really get it. But he said, you should be getting this. You should be understanding kingdom principles. So what I was talking about was the sower that went, so, went forth to sow was God himself. And he went forth and he sowed the seed, which was the word of God. And some of that seed fell into good, fell upon, um, upon shallow ground. It fell upon stony ground. And some of it fell on good soil. So what he was talking about was the soil that was growing up. So Jesus or, or the writer of Hebrews here is talking about basically the same thing. There was so many that started out but they didn't make it. When we start this journey, we've got to be committed to the journey. We've got to be committed. This is, you know, the relationship we have with God is not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. It's a long journey. We have to be faithful. We have to stick with it. We have to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. <laughs> Somebody said, I, wouldn't, I wish you wouldn't use that analogy. <laughs> Okay, verse 3 says, for those, those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. For he has said, I was greed with them and made a solemn oath. Solemn oath. They will never enter the calming rest of my spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's liberty. There's peace. Where the Spirit of the Lord isn't, there's all kinds of confusion. There's all kinds of, of problems. There's all kinds. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's that a calming assurance. There's that confident rest. 
He says, they will never enter the calming rest of my spirit. God's works have all, have all been completed from the foundation of the world. For it says in the scriptures, and on the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. And again, as stated before, they will never enter my calming place of rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into the realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. There's a Greek word that is the word... Um, Apistis, apistia, apistis. You know, pistis is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Apistia is faithlessness. It's not having faith. A is without. Pistis is faith. So when we see that word faithlessness, we understand it's the word apistia. It means without faith. And so unbelievers, and that's what that word is, is without faith. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that's what faith is really all about, understanding who God is. This morning I put a post on Facebook. Some of you may have seen it. I was just thinking. You know, sometimes I think. This morning I was just thinking. And Psalm 91 says that, that he who dwells in the secret place, or he who abides in the secret place, abides in the secret place, shall dwell in the shadow of of the Almighty. And verse 2 says, And I will say of the Lord. What will you say of the Lord? What do you say about him? Is he somewhere way out there? You don't know where he is. Or is he closer than a brother? Is he someone who is with you constantly, your constant companion? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my strength. He's my ever-present help in the time of trouble. That's what I will say of the Lord. He's my hiding place. He's my high tower. Everything that I am, everything that I, that I ever hope to be is wrapped up in one thing. That's who God is. He's my everything. Everything else dwells and surrounds about that. He's my calming place of rest. So those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into realms uh, the realm of faith rests because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact still remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. For God has ordained a day for, to, for us to enter into, and that is called today. God has given us to, a day to enter into his rest, and that day is today. I don't know where you've been in the past. I don't know what your life has been, uh, been like up to this point, but you know what? You can make a decision. You can turn it around today. You don't have to go back to what you were. You don't have to go back to where you've been living, but today you can turn things around because you're not promised tomorrow, but you do have today. You do have today. You have this moment to make a decision. You have a, this moment to trust in God, and that's where the peace comes when we trust Him. I don't know about you, but I have situations in my life where I've got no choice but to trust God. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. I got no choice. Well, I do have a choice. I can deny God. I can despise Him and those things. But my choice is to trust Him and believe Him. I feel as though I have no other choice because God is my source. God is my strength. God is my high tower. God is my resting place. He is that shadow that I abide under. He is that place of refuge that I seek after. He's my peace. 
He's the peace that passes all understanding. I was thinking about Jesus and his disciples when, when Jesus had, had been ministering all day and he tells his disciples to get into a boat and to go to the other side. So they get in the boat without him and they leave without him. And they're sailing along and about the fourth watch of the night, it says, or, or about as they, they got out to the middle of the sea or of the Lake of Galilee, it says a storm came up and they were flipping and flopping and tossing and turning and everything else. And then they see a figure walking on the water. Jesus comes walking on the water in the middle of the night, about the fourth watch of the night, it says. And they saw him, and they screamed. I would have probably been in that congregation. I would have probably screamed, too, thinking that they saw a ghost. And, and as he got closer, you know, Peter looks and he says, Master, is that you? Is that you? If that's you, let me come out there where you are. And Jesus said, come. And so he gets out of the boat. And he walks out to where Jesus is. And he gets about halfway. And then he starts looking around. What's he looking at? He sees the waves and he hears the wind. And everything he's hearing and everything he's seeing causes him to begin to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Anybody ever been there? Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches out and takes him by the hand and picks him up and says, Oh, Peter, why did you doubt? Don't you know who I am? And he says the same thing to you and to me. Why do you doubt? Don't you understand who I am? When Jesus said, I am, he had told the, he had told the, the scribes and the Pharisees in John chapter 8, you know, they had this little thing going back and forth, and he was asking, they were, they were saying, who do you think you are? He says, well, I'm the son of God. No, you're not. We're children, of, we're children of Moses and children of Abraham. And Jesus said, look, I, God, I'm able, my father is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. He said, before Abraham existed, I am. And it made them very angry. They didn't like that. What did Jesus have to say? He says, I am. So when Jesus says, I am, he means, I am. And when he says in John chapter four, uh, four, 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Many times over, he said, I am. I am the, the first and the last, that which was and that which is and that which is to come. He told Martha. Martha was, was asking him about Lazarus. Why did you allow him to die? Don't you understand? You could have come and healed him. And he says, Martha, do you believe in the resurrection? She said, of course I believe in the resurrection. I believe that when, when the resurrection happens that Lazarus is going to rise, we're all going to rise. He says, understand this. You're looking at the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So he was making a statement of who he is, I am. And when we understand that, we can have this peace. We can have this rest that passes, that transcends all of understanding. And we can have it not in the sweet by and by. And we think when I get to heaven, we used to sing that song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And we try to muster up all the joy that we can while we're singing that song. But as soon as it was over, it was almost like a crescendo that died. <laughs> when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Why not sing it now? Why not shout it now? Why not see Jesus for who he is? The great I am. 
that which was and is and is to come, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, he is, the, he is all of it, all rolled into one. And when we understand that, then we can have a rest, the peace of God that passes all understanding. You and I don't have to worry about stuff. I mean, we got stuff going on around us, right? The disciples had stuff going around them. I mean, when Jesus was with his disciples and, and, and he'd been ministering all day as it normally was, he was the one that did all the heavy lifting, right? And so they're sailing across the ocean, across the sea again, and all of a sudden another storm comes up. But Jesus, it says, was asleep on a pillow in the bow of the boat. He's napping. He's worn out. And, and the disciples is like... Somebody wake him up. Don't he understand what's going on here? We're going to die. The waves are starting to wash over and everything. Jesus is just sleeping. Finally, one of them wakes him up. And Jesus stands up. And he says in a loud voice, I don't think he said it quietly. He says, peace, be still. I know what it would be like if I woke up like that. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't go, peace, be still. I'd be like, peace, be still. And it says, the waves and the wind just died down. And they all look at each other. Who is this guy? Surely he's got to be the son of God. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, this is the God that we serve. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Everything that is named must bow to the name of Jesus Christ. And so, while it's called today, we've got to enter into that place of rest. Okay. For it was long afterwards that God repeated in David's words, if only today you would listen to his voice and not harden your hearts. Now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. So we conclude then that there's still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter into God's faith, rest, life, we cease from our own works. Just as God celebrated his finished, celebrates his finished work and rests in them, so that no one, see to it, that no one falls short by following the same patterns of doubt and unbelief, for we have the living word of God. Now, what's that saying? See to it that no one follows the same patterns of doubt and unbelief, for we have what? The living word of God. We have the living word of God. Think about that. We've got the word of God, and what is God's word? His word and God are one and the same, right? So when we read the word, it's God speaking to us. Remember, I've told you before, if you want God to speak to you in an audible voice every single day of your life, it'll happen. When you read the Word of God out loud to yourself, it's God talking. It's God's Word personified. He is speaking to you. So we have the living Word of the living God, so therefore we should have a rest that encircles us. We enter into that rest. What is that rest? That rest is the confidence and the faith and the hope that we have in a God that is more than able, who is exceedingly abundantly able, more than able to do above and beyond anything we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. We have his word. We have his promises, his word. When someone gives their word, it should be their bond. And God has given his word to us. 
When we read his word, it's not just that we're taking words off of a page. We're taking the words of an eternal God that are speaking to us. And it gives us a hope and a confidence. That, now, I'm, I'm going to read on. This is, this is just too good to leave hanging, okay? So we conclude then that there is a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter into God's faith, rest, life, we cease from our own works just as God celebrates his finished work and then rests in him. So, see, so that no one falls short by following the same patterns of doubt and unbelief. Verse 12, and I think the King James verse, Version says, For the Word of God is what? Living and active and powerful and, more, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Here it says, For we have the living Word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit and bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secrets of our heart. And there's not one person who can hide their thoughts from, from God, for nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render an account. Think about that. The Word of God, it divides soul and spirit. Now, I want you to think about something. A lot of times, we think that things are soulish or spiritual, when actually they're very soulish. And something, sometimes we think things that are spiritual are soulish because we don't understand. And what is there to discern or to differentiate between the soul and the spirit, the Word of God. How do we measure? How do we know? Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with what God's Word says? If somebody prophesies to you or somebody gives you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, or, or the, and if it doesn't line up with Scriptures, reject it. That's how we know. It divides. It separates. It separates things in our heart. When we hear the Word of God, and we know in our own heart, you know, Lord, is this right or this wrong? And the Bible says in Psalm 119, verses 9 and 10, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By giving heed to the word of God. For thy word have I hidden in my heart, it says, that I might not sin against thee. It's the word of God that separates it's the word of God that shows us what is right and wrong. It's the word of God that gives us confidence. And then he goes on to say, the people of, of, that, led, that Moses led out, out of Egypt heard God speak through Moses. They saw his miracles. They saw what God performed. And we've seen God work in our own lives. We have this truth that we have to embrace that today, today, we have an opportunity to enter into the rest of God. We can't wait for tomorrow to live the way that God wants us to live. Today is the day. Some of us keep putting it off. One of these days, one of these days I'm going to shape up. One of these days I'm going to get my life right. One of these days, you know, I, I've got just a little bit more that I want to do for me, then I'm going to give it all to God. It doesn't work that way. See, with God, the relationship we have with Him is all or nothing. It's everything. Jesus wants all of us. Rest. Relax. Last week I talked about the things that we find ourselves in, the situations that we find ourselves in. 
And we're waiting on God to give us an answer, so we pray for wisdom and we ask God. And sometimes when we're going through these things, God is perfecting something in us. We don't understand why we go through certain circumstances and situations, but they happen. Everybody say, stuff happens. It happens to all of us. I mean, it's just a fact of life. But when we go through those things, James tells us to rejoice, knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces patience and patience endurance. God is working. Let patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So we got to wait, but we don't want to wait for tomorrow to live the way God wants us to live. Today is the day. So I'm going to close with this passage of Scripture in Psalm 46.10. Be still. Everybody say, be still. You know what that word means? Literally, it means hang loose, relax. Everybody just do this. Just drop your hands just for a minute. Just, just chill. Just relax. After service today, my plan is to go home and have lunch and be still and know that He is God. Just relax. Just relax. And that's what God wants us to do when we find ourselves in a situation or a circumstance. And I like what it says in the verses preceding that. In Psalm 46 and 1, it says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength and ever-present help in the time of trouble. And though the oceans roar and the rocks cry out and the mountains tremble, yet will I trust in Him. I will trust in Him. And he gets down to verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Relax. Rest. There's a rest for the people of God and it's found in our hope and our faith and our confidence in Him. Not tomorrow, but today. Listen. No man's promised another day. We have to live our lives as though this moment that we're living in, we got to take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Relax. Just chill out. Know that He is God. Cease striving. God's Word translation says, Let go, in parentheses, of your concerns. Then you will know that I rule the nations. I rule the earth. So God is more than able to take care of your little space on the earth. Remember what it says in Psalm 24 and 1? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. You got your little spot here on earth. But don't think for a minute that God doesn't know where you live. God knows exactly where you are. In Acts chapter 10, we read the story of Peter, how that Peter went up on the housetop. He was waiting on lunch to be prepared. He went up on the housetop for a nap. And as he's lying there, he has a dream. And God shows him in his dream that there's going to be some people that he shows them the sheep coming down from the heavens with all these unclean animals on. He tells Peter to kill and eat. And he's terrified by the dream. Then it happens again. Peter, kill and eat. And he says, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. And he said, don't you call anything unclean that I've made clean. Well, he, didn't he was kind of puzzled at that. He begins to ponder, begins to pray, and God begins to reveal to him that there's some men going to be coming to you and I want you to go with them. I got something for you to do. 
Well, at the same time, God is working by spirit in the house of a man named Cornelius who was a Roman centurion. He was over like 6,000 soldiers, and, and he was a good man, and he gave to the temple. He gave alms, and he prayed, and he wanted to know God, but he just didn't know how to know God. But God heard his cry, and he told him, I want you to send a couple of men to Joppa, and he told him there's a, there's a certain street And I want you to go down that street to a certain man's house, and you're going to find a man there, and his name is Simon, and I want you to find him, and I want you to bring him back here. And everybody's kind of scratching their head at what God is doing. We see how God is working here, and God is working here. Now, why did I tell you that? Because a lot of times we don't see what God is doing. We think God's forgotten about us in our little corner of the earth, when in fact God's got things going on that we don't see happening, you know? But we just got to be still and know that He is God. Just relax. Take a chill pill and wait on the Lord. Get your Bible out. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Allow God to be God and you just be you. Just wait on the Lord. Okay? Be still. Quiet before the Lord and wait upon Him. Don't get anxious. Anxiety will kill you. The doctor's offices are full of people that are there for one reason. You know why? They're anxious. They're anxious. Anxiety medicine is number one seller in the drugstores these days. More than pain pills, anxiety medicines. Because we're so anxious. But why are we anxious when we have God and we have His promises? They're not God's Flippant answers, but they're God's promises. Everybody say promises. So if today you hear his voice, be still. Be still and wait upon him. Know that he is God. Let go of your concerns. Then you will know that I rule the nations. I'll rule the earth. So God is more than able to take care of our little space on the earth. Trust him. Rest in his promises. Know who he is. Who is he? He's God Almighty. He's not just one of the gods that other people talk about. He is the God. He is the one true God. He is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. He's he's the many-breasted one. He's the one who is able to meet all of our needs at one time. He's got enough to go around. And he knows where you live. He knows your little corner of the earth. And he's got everything under control. So rest. There's a rest for the people of God. See to it that you enter into it. How do you enter to it? By faith. By faith. Not many will. But for those of us who dare, there is a rest for the people of God. It comes through obedience. It comes through faithfulness. It comes through waiting upon the Father. That's how that rest comes. Be sure, though, that if we're walking in disobedience to God, we will not have that rest. The Holy Spirit won't allow us to rest. So if your spirit is troubled, you need to understand why. You need to wait upon the Lord and say, Lord, why is my spirit troubled? And most of the time we know because the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We know exactly what's going on even before. We even ask God those questions most of the time. So God says, "Just, just be obedient. Just trust me. Just see if I won't take care of your needs. That's the kind of God that we serve. There's a rest for the people of God. Have you entered into it? 
Have you entered into that place where you have this quiet confidence? I'm going to share a little story with you. Before I became a believer, every night before I would lie down to go to sleep, I'd have a hard time going to sleep. You know why? Because my heart was not right with God. And I would pray these prayers like, God, please don't, please don't come in the middle of the night or please don't let me die because I'm not ready. It's sort of a selfish prayer, right? But I knew in my heart of hearts that I was not right with God and I knew that if I died without knowing Him, I'd bust hell right open. And that's not a good place to be. I had no peace. I had a hard time getting to sleep and then when I was awake, all I could think about all through the day was my condition. And I think we call that the Holy Spirit convicting us. You know, we live in that conviction, especially when you got a bunch of godly people that are praying for you. And they refuse to let go. They were, they're just believing God for your salvation. So I became more and more miserable in the state that I was in. But I'll never forget when I surrendered. When I gave my heart to Jesus, when I fully surrendered to Him, at that moment, it's like this burden of guilt, this burden of shame, this burden of fear was gone. And I'll never forget the first night as a believer, I laid down to go to sleep. I slept the most comfortable, peaceful sleep that I've ever experienced in my life because things were different now. Things were different now. Today, don't harden your hearts. Today is the day to make things right with God. Today is the time to enter into that rest. Today's the time to stop struggling. Stop struggling. Stop wrestling with God. The only thing you will get by wrestling with God is a hip that's out of joint. That's the only thing you'll get. Stop wrestling and just give in, just surrender. The moment that you do, you'll enter into that resting place with God by faith. And you can remain there. You can live there. That's what he tells us to do when we enter into it. Now, how do we do that? When we go on, we read on down in that chapter. When it gets to about verse 16, it says, For we have not an high priest who's touched not with the feeling of our infirmities, but we have one who's been tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. So let us enter therein with confidence into that holy place. And there we're going to find, you know what we're going to find? Mercy. And grace to help us in our time of need. Isn't that cool? Grace and mercy. What is grace? Undeserved favor. We don't deserve it, but I'm blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. And mercy. Mercy. That's when I deserve something bad, but I don't get it. God's not going to thump you over the head when you come to Him in humble repentance. A broken and contrite spirit that will not despise. But God's going to accept you and He's going to give you a peace that passes all understanding. That's what God desires to do today. So I'm just going to end this today by, by just giving an opportunity. I don't know what you're going through in your life. Some of us feel like the disciples did when we're in that boat and the boat's rocking. 
there's nothing but trouble over here and there's nothing but trouble in the boat because you got everybody crying and moaning and screaming and everything else. And you got waves washing over and there's no peace. But the one who controls it all is lying right there in front of you. Jesus is close as the mention of his name. He's not asleep. He never slumbers. So all you got to do is call on him. But when you call on him, you got to trust him. You got to release it to him. Stop striving. Everybody say, stop striving. Just relax and know that he is God. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.